I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Välkommen till Ronnys rullar igen och nu har jag fått celebert besök i lilla studion här för nu sitter jag här och nu ska vi gå över på engelska och jag säger welcome to Mr. Jack Shoulder. Well it's very nice to be here, very nice to meet you Ronny. Yeah. I'm very happy to be in Stockholm for the first time. My my wife and I are going to move here I think in a, next, <laughs> yeah. mo- next month. It's a beautiful, I, wonderful city. I heard that you're learning Swedish. <laughs> Not not so well. I just just from what I've learned from watching Bergman movies. Yeah. Okay. So Jack, let's talk about you now. Uh, maybe Bergman was an influence of you because I, my first question is how did you end up in the director chair? Well, um it's kind of a long story but 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 I'll make it short. When I was uh um in school in in i started to play the trumpet at eight years old, and I my goal was to become a professional classical trumpet player, to play trumpet in an orchestra. I grew up in Philadelphia, and I studied with the principal trumpet of the Philadelphia Orchestra, and I was very, very good. Uh, but about 16, I realized that there were some other people who were better than me, and I did not want to play second trumpet, so I decided to do something else. And so then I decided to become a writer, and... Um, uh, i spent a year at the University of Edinburgh, and I ran into some people who were involved with the LSD experiments at Oxford. And so I took some LSD, and I came to the realization that words were meaningless. So that was the end of my writing career. And my girlfriend was really into film. And so I thought, well, this is good, and I started to really get into it. But but actually, um, there was a a small theater near where I lived that used to play foreign films. And I would go there occasionally. You know, mostly I would see like the English comedies. You know, a lot of the English comedies from the '60s. You know, um, and I went there and I saw um, uh, Seventh Seal, 
And it was like, holy shit, I didn't, you know, I had no idea you could make a movie like that. So Bergman definitely had a huge influence on me. It doesn't show up, I think, in anything that I do. But, you know, maybe it does. I mean, maybe I don't, I don't, I don't steal from him. <laughs> no. I steal from Orson Welles a lot. I steal from Hitchcock. Uh, I don't really feel like I'm stealing from, from, from Bergman. But um, his movies, you know, I've seen almost everything he's done. And you know, they've had a profound uh, influence on me. I mean, he's one of the great, not just filmmakers, but artists of the 20th century, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And many other great, great Swedish directors as yeah. well. Yeah, many. So it was a natural decision for you to to uh, to to because you went to the genre of movies. Or did you first did shorts and stuff? Yeah, drama. And yes. Things? Well, yeah. So, I mean, my 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 goal was really to 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 make films like Jean Renoir. You know, to make. Uh, art films, films about you know uh, human situations. Uh, I was never a big fan of the horror genre. You know, I saw horror films uh, like everybody else, but you know, I was never a fanatic about it. And um, I thought I was going to make my first feature when I was twenty-five, like Orson Welles, and uh, that didn't work out. And I was working as a film editor, and you know, I I eventually became successful. I won an Emmy, you know, which is a big big award for you know television and uh as an editor but i always felt it was my day job and that really i was just biding my time until i became a director editing is extremely good background if if you want to be a director because that's really where the film is put together so the cameraman maybe knows the shots but he doesn't know what happens afterwards how they all fit together yeah. and if they don't fit together you don't have a movie you can have lots of beautiful shots but if it doesn't fit together There's, there's no movie. So final, and and I had an involvement with New Line Cinema. Um, I I met Bob Shea, who, by the way, uh, had a Fulbright to study in Sweden, and he he lived here for a year, and his yeah. wife is Swedish. Yeah. Have have you met him? I I have never met him, but I, I yeah, unfortunately. And and he also speaks, he. He thinks he speaks Swedish very well. He's actually corrected his wife that she used the wrong Swedish <laughs> word, so, uh, which I don't think was true. But you became good friends. With so Robert, so we, we became very, very close friends. I, I, I saw him to see if he would distribute one of my short films. He wasn't interested. He wanted to know if I knew anyone who could cut a trailer. And I said, me. And he said, okay. I'd never cut a trailer, but you know, he didn't have much money. And he just said, okay. And so... We we locked ourselves in a room for for three days over a weekend, and and we made a trailer. And when we came out, we were we were friends. So, <clears throat> go forward about twelve or thirteen years. His company is still a film distribution company, yeah. and they've grown, but they can only get so big. They never seem to have enough money, and now the major studios are having classic divisions, so they have a lot more money to buy the the hot foreign films, and so we're sitting around uh, after work one day with the other guys from, from his office, and one of them said, you know, if we could make a low-budget horror fil film, because this was around the time that, you know, um, Halloween, well, Halloween had come out a little, a little earlier, but uh, Friday the 13th, yeah. uh, and, and they were being made for very little money, and they were making a lot of money, and he said, and, and New Line specialized in, making, in, in distributing films to, to universities and colleges. 
So they felt that they understood the quote, the youth market. And so they said, if we could make a low budget horror film, we could make a lot of money. And so I thought about it and I came back a couple weeks later with an idea and they liked the idea. And he said, okay, uh, we'll pay you so much to write the script. And if, if we raise the money, we'll pay you so much to direct it. So I went and I wrote the script and they were unable to raise the money. And then I, then I, I got a job editing a film called The Burning, which was the first film that the, the Weinsteins did, Harvey Weinstein, yeah. who is now quite infamous. Yeah. Um, uh, and I learned a lot about how horror films worked and, and how to build suspense and all of that sort of thing. And, and I, I thought, you know, the film that I wrote, which was, I was basically trying to make an art film disguised as a, as a horror film. Um, and I thought, I can make it a lot scarier now because I understand how to do this. And so I, I went back and I, I did a rewrite on the script and they were able to raise the money. I don't know whether because the script was better or the, just the timing. You know, I have no idea. But anyway, and so that was my first feature. And then I thought, well, okay, um, didn't make a lot of money. Um, and nobody was knocking on my door. And I didn't know if I would ever make another movie. And then they did Elm Street, which made a lot of money for New Line. And then they were doing the sequel. Wes Craven was supposed to direct the sequel six weeks before... He was supposed to start shooting. He dropped out. He he had he didn't write the script. He never liked the script, and I guess he had other options. And he just thought, you know, I really don't need to do this. So they asked me if I would do it. And my my first reaction was no. I don't want to get typecast as a horror film director, and I don't want to do a sequel to somebody else's movie. And I honestly never thought the original Elm Street was was a great movie. I you know I didn't think it you know I thought that I could have directed it a lot better than Wes Craven did. I think the concept and all of that was was great, and the, the idea of of Freddy Krueger and casting a really good actor to play Freddy Krueger uh, was a brilliant idea. But I but I thought the actual directing of the movie wasn't wasn't that interesting. So so my first reaction was no, and then a friend of mine who was a producer said, Jack, don't be an idiot. The film's going to make a lot of money, and you'll have a career as a director. And we made the film. The film made more money than the first one, and. The phone started ringing, and six months later, I was in Hollywood, and I worked for the next twenty some years. So, yeah. can we go back to Alone in the Dark? Yeah, because sure. I saw it last night oh. again. I, I had yeah, and I must say, I think it's really good. I don't know how do you look upon it today when you. I, I really love it. I mean, it's you know, it's not a perfect film, but um, it, it's. Um, It's really kind of a snapshot of my head when I was 35 years old, um, you know, because I wrote it as well as directed yeah. it. And really what I, it, you know, it, it's, it's really social criticism. And, and it's, it's a satire, really, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, yes, it's kind of scary and it's got, a, you know, enough gore to sort of satisfy yeah. the, the, the audience. But, you know, it's really about, you know, what's, what's normal and what isn't normal and, and what happens... Uh, There's a blackout, and you have these criminal psychopaths, and the whole society becomes crazy. And so they come out in, into the world, and they're just like everybody else, you know? Uh, and uh, so there was a lot of irony and a lot of sort of social observation that was in the film. And uh, I also, I was fortunate to, to just, by luck, to get 
just an incredible cast. They are fantastic. Yeah. How did you get that? Jack? It was just. Uh, <laughs> it was just. Um, we must mention them. It's Jack. Jack Palance. And Jack, it's Donna Pleasance and Martin Martin Landau. Landau. Yeah, and also uh, Dwight Schultz, who was uh, yeah. from a show called The A Team, that was a big hit yeah. in in America. But very very fine actor. Uh, well, um, for the eccentric psychiatrist, uh, the the uh, producer who is act, act, actually Danish, his name is Benny Corzen. Yeah. Um, uh, you know he he'd been living in America for. For a long time, but so Benny said, "What would you think about Donald Pleasance?" And I said, "Wow, I think he's one of the great <laughs> actors in the world. Uh, that would be incredible." So he's, you know, uh, Pleasance is just—he's a working actor. You know, if you pay him his fee and he's not doing anything, he'll he'll come and do your movie. Yeah. Um, so he agreed to do it. So that added some credibility. And then he said, "What do you think about getting Jack Palance?" And I said, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. um, and so they made a deal with Jack Palance. And then apparently Martin Landau was going through a, a, a bad period in his career. And so his, his agent called us and said, how about we can, I can give you Martin, Land, uh, Martin Landau for your movie. What do you think? And so they said, hey, Jack, what do you think? And I said, <laughs> sure, why not? So, um, and uh, now... Palance, between the time that he agreed to do the movie and the time that we were going to shoot the movie, he got a, another offer to do a TV series that was going to shoot in Florence, Italy. Oh. And so he wanted to get out of... He, he didn't want to do the movie. So he, he said, look, you know, I want to back out of the movie. And New Line threatened to sue him. So they forced him to be there. Okay. And they also told him there would be no night shooting in Alone in the Dark. <laughs> So he showed up, and you know, the second day he worked, he, he, he was supposed to start at four in the afternoon, and by the time we got around to him, it was like five in the morning. So he was not in a good mood. But he was, he was. I'm, I mean, it was a great experience to work with these guys. Yeah, and you were quite young then. I was, uh, yeah, inexperienced. So how, how yeah. was it? Well, um, Palance. Well, Pleasance was just a professional. You know, he was a craftsman. I mean, he was a great, gifted actor. But, I mean, basically, uh, the first scene that I did with him, we ran through the scene, and my mind was just what completely blank. I had no idea what I just saw because I was so nervous and in awe of him. And then, so I said, well, that was great. Uh, let, let's do it once once more. So we did it again, and, and I was able to kind of pay attention. And I said, Donald, I wonder if you'd mind. And he said, okay. And then he did exactly what I said. Yeah. I, like, I mean, when you work with people of that caliber, it's like driving a Ferrari. You know, you just touch the wheel and shh, it goes around the corner. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do very much. And I said, well, that's pretty easy. He, he actually listened to me and he actually, you know, did what I asked him to do. So that was pretty good. Um, Palance, though, Bob Shea had met Palance earlier. And he said, oh, he's... He's really angry, and he's, he almost punched a man in the street who stopped him. And, and I had an, a, like a panic attack. I, I bought a bottle of liquor, and I started drinking it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I was about to go to sleep, and I was really kind of terrified of, of you know. And, and so I couldn't fall asleep, and, you know, finally I said, you know what? It's my fucking movie. I'm the fucking director. I'm not going to take any shit from anyone. I'm the fucking director. 
So I kind of, uh, you know, I got up in, in the morning and said, okay, I'm not right. taking any shit from this guy. I'm right. the fucking director. And so, um, so we, the first day uh, he said, um, so I met him and uh, they said, he's on the, he's, He's on the set now. And we were shooting in a big mansion, so they they had one like really big room that we weren't using. So they put him. They made that his dressing room. It was like, and he was like at the far end of the room. It was like meeting with Mussolini. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he'd have this giant. You'd have to like walk fifty feet to get to Mussolini. So, so yeah. and he, you know, he's sitting there, and it's you know, it's Jack Palance. <laughs> that face is just yeah. you know, I mean, um, uh, and so. So there were two scenes to do. One was uh, a, a long dialogue scene. Uh, the one where they first walk and he says, uh, he says, none of us are crazy, we're all just on vacation. Yeah. And it was, you know, a nice a nice scene. And then when there was the scene where they escaped from the mental hospital and he's supposed to kill somebody. And he said, well, I can't do the dialogue scene because nobody told me and I have trouble memorizing dialogue, so I can't do that today. And then the scene you want me to shoot tonight where I have to kill the guy, I really don't want to kill the guy because I don't like violence. So I said, okay. So I said, well, Jack, we're, we're going to have to shoot the dialogue scene. That's the only chance we have. And we have, we have to shoot it. And I'll do it late in the day to give you as much time. As, and, and whatever you need, if we need to shoot it in little pieces so you can get the dialogue. Uh, but, 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 but we have to do it. And I said, as far as... as, far as shooting the the other scene let's not even talk about that so so we did the dialogue scene um he did it beautifully all in one take and he was incredible and 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 so i said you know we did a couple of takes and that was it and i said i said jack i said that was absolutely fantastic and he said ah you're full of shit and he said <laughs> But he was nervous about, you know, okay, how yeah. he was going to yeah. do. And so his saying, ah, you're full of shit, was his, like, saying thank you very much, yeah. you know. And and then afterwards, we, we broke for dinner, and I went back to his room, and he was nicer. And it turns out he's an opera fan, and I know a little bit about opera. And so we, we could talk about that. And then I said, okay, so about the scene tonight. And he said, well, I really don't want to kill the guy. And I... And I said, well, Jack, you know, it does say in the script yeah. that your character kills him, you know, and steals his car so they can escape from the mental hospital. And he said, yeah, but, um, he said, why do I have to kill the guy? And I said, well, we have to know you're capable of violence. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, they'll know. And he was right. You just looked at him and you knew you didn't have, you know, and that's, that's, one of the great lessons I learned about making movies. You don't have to... He, Jack Palance doesn't have to kill somebody for you to feel that he's dangerous. He's just... That's how he comes across on screen. So, And so I said, well... Well, somebody's got to kill this guy. So he says, well, have the fat guy do it. So I said, okay, we'll have the fat guy do it. And that was, that was it. So, But he was... He was great. I mean, he would he would sort of give me these little lessons without telling me, but he would just do things in a certain way. Like we'd be in a real hurry, in a real rush, and and then he would just slow everything down. And talk about when he worked with George Stevens and how George Stevens really, you know, we're like ready, and and he's just making us wait and just basically 
slow down, calm, you know. So I learned a lot from him. Um, you know, he was, he was, um, he was a guy who sort of, I mean, we were talking about Steven Seagal, who, who was like one of the biggest assholes in the world. Yeah. Um, Palance acted like an asshole, but he was really a nice guy. Yeah. And underneath, there were a couple of times, I mean, there was a time when I really, like, I really hit bottom. It was like we had two really, really bad days. I was completely exhausted. My mind just froze, and I couldn't think what to do next. And, and he was very nice to me. He actually did something very nice to sort of, to kind of cheer me up uh, in his own way. So, and Landau, uh, I, I I must say I actually met him. Oh really? Uh, I interviewed him in Cannes for really? Edward. He oh. was it was. I, re- I, I oh wait, like I would like to do for you the wave, you know. Oh wait, that's, that's 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 Landau. That's Martin Landau. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was talking about Palance. Yeah, but okay, but, yeah. But and Landau, met, yeah, Landau is a lovely, lovely man. Yeah. Uh, Whereas, uh, you know, Palance could be kind of intimidating. He would always come on the set and say, hey, how you doing, kiddo? And he'd, like, give me a little back massage for two seconds. And, and he was he was very nice. And, and we, we remained friends, um, really. Um, he was kind of a mentor to me yeah. in a lot of ways. I met Palance in Cannes as well. Oh. I was supposed to have a kind of a five-minute for TV. But he, when I came there, he said, all right. And then he said to the guy, I'm going back to my room now. And then he just left the junk kitchen of the interview. Yeah. And he just, he didn't want to do it. So, yeah. And I couldn't do anything. Yeah, about. that was, well, that was kind of like, like him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, if you're a director, in a way, you're like a cowboy, you know, and they bring out the, the crazy horse and you have to ride that horse. So you have to figure out some way yeah. to stay on the horse. And you don't okay. always stay on the horse. Have you seen this film recently, or uh, yeah, I, yes, I, I actually I hadn't seen it in a while, and I saw it uh, a year or two ago, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, it's got it's just it's it's got some really good stuff in it. I mean, I think the final scene in the nightclub yeah. is just I think it's a really really good scene. Yeah. You know, it's very existential. You know, and people who haven't seen it, but there's a great twist as well. Yeah, we don't forget that. That is fantastic, and yeah. the music. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, yeah. It had it had a very good, uh, well, an interesting score. Yeah, by a, 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 an Italian yeah. guy scored it. That was a whole other story, but yeah. we don't have enough time. No, we don't have. We have to go back now to the, 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 the. Should we call it the big one? No, we're going to talk about the hidden as well. I hope yeah. we have to. But uh, regarding uh, Freddy's revenge, yes, and this discussion, and I know now here at Monster of Film about yeah, yeah. the documentary. How was it when you got the script? You directly noticed this, of course, with those or or well. Uh, okay, so we're you can tell the we're, story we're, here. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're talking about the, the, the queer interpretation yeah. of the movie. So when I got the script, basically I got hired six weeks before. So normally uh, I have time, and one of the things that you do as a director is you work on the script. You know, you take the script, it's a good script, but usually there are things that you, you want to change or shape or, um, you know, you start interpreting it, what, what my agent used to call directing on the page. Um, and I, there really wasn't any time for that. Because the film was already, you know, was already in motion. Um, we hadn't cast anyone, but um, some of the people were already hired, and and I had to fly out to L.A. Uh, where they were doing because I was living in in New York, and um, so there really was very little time to um, to really think about the script. It was just how are you going to get this thing done? You know, I arrive in L.A., they hand me a list of, like, it's 100 special effects, none of which I have the slightest idea how to do. And, I, you know, I, 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 I really had an anxiety attack that lasted for the entire uh, 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 pre-production period. You know, how in, in the you know, it, it felt like I had to climb Mount Everest. It just seemed impossible. And uh, so that was re really where my attention went. You know, usually I think a lot about what's what's the really the subtext of the film and all that. But but I felt that it was about teen sexual anxiety, and you know, um, and so the whole gay thing. Well, I I I was living in the West Village of New York, which is you know the where there are a lot of gay clubs, and I moved there right after, right actually when Stonewall happened, you know, which was the big, you know, when there's a big famous, right, and it really was kind of the start of the gay lib movement when people just came out and said, we're gay and we're not ashamed of it and we're not going to take this shit anymore. And, and so it really came out on the streets, you know, you would just see gay couples on the streets and guys dressed in leather and all, you know, uh, a lot of gay bars and you'd walk past and there was a lot of, you know, you would smell poppers, you know, uh, those, uh, uh, whatever they are, the, the you know, the, if, if you have a heart attack, amyl, amyl nitrate, I guess, people were, were using poppers. And, okay. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was really very out in, in, in the open and as somebody who has a very kind of uh, skewed view of life, you know, and I find a lot of things funny that other people don't find funny. You know, it seemed to me that it was ripe for a certain amount of uh, satire. And, um, and you know, obviously, you know, there's a scene in a gay bar and, you know, it's, uh, in a leather bar and, and, and uh, you know, the, 
the main character is having a lot of anxiety and he's not quite getting along with his girlfriend and and stuff like that. The thing is, none of us felt it was a that had a gay subtext. It was the subtext was you know, uh, I'm you know I have sexual anxiety. You know, w- one of my anxieties. You know, am I am I gay? Is there you know. Uh, um, you know, which if you're actually gay, at, particularly in the '80s, that was a real cause for for anxiety. You know, people you know people thought they were going to go to hell. You know, or lots lots of other um, bad things. And the HIV, of course. Was well, and then HIV was just coming in, so yeah. that kind of put an end to the whole. You know, then instead of being out on the streets partying, everybody was dying. You know, and this was just the start of it. So, no one at New Line had the slightest inkling. When I cast Mark Patton, who was gay, I had no idea he was gay. I, I mean, it. I, I needed someone who was very vulnerable. And basically, he's playing the the girl role. He's yes. playing the final girl. I think it's really good, isn't it? He's, he's, he's very good yeah. in the film. And... And of all the people, and 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 he was like a really a rising, you know, he was like a hot young guy. He had he had just done this Robert Altman movie, yeah. and he had a lot of heat. And he was clearly he was very good, and he really projected this kind of vulnerability and this a certain amount of pain, more than anybody that I saw. And so, um, so he was my first choice. And then when, uh, you know, when I had him audition for the, all the executives at New Line, they all agreed that he was the right yeah. guy. And none of us, well, that I knew of, I mean, nobody said, you think he's too gay to play the part? I mean, nobody nobody said that. I didn't even, th- you know, it. I wasn't thinking that way. You know, I didn't think, is he gay or not gay? It, it wasn't he. He's vulnerable. It wasn't he, yeah, that he, was, that he had a vulnerability. Yeah. And maybe he had a, you know, a certain kind of feminine side to him you know but that that you know as opposed to a macho nobody can get yeah. through side that he you know that he was very emotionally porous shall we say um and 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 he you know his goal in life was was to become a movie star and so now he had he had almost become one and now he had the lead role in a movie that looked like it was going to you know make a lot of money um and so he was thrilled And then he shows up on the set, and like the, the the makeup people say, "Don't you understand? This movie has this gay subtext to it." And then he said, "Oh my God, you're right." So you know, nobody nobody really saw it ex- except you know some of the people in the crew who were, you know, who were gay were looking at it, and, and you know had more time to think about it. And then apparently they started doing things. So they would put like props in, like like there's a game called Probe, or Uh, there's like a little sign in this room that says "No chicks allowed" or something like that. Which you know, it's 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 up to me as the director to say, uh, you know what, we should take that sign down. But I thought, yeah, it kind of fits in because yeah. he's you know he's he's very conflicted sexually, you know. But um, <clears throat> when the film came out, it got generally pretty pretty good reviews. Yeah. I, I mean, I I actually went back and, and and read them, and they were actually better than I thought they were. They were, you know, the New York Times, you know, said it was quite good, and you know, the the trade paper variety, and no, and nobody pointed out the, the the gay thing except the Village Voice, which is like the alternate paper for, um, 
in, in uh, New York, and they said this is the gayest horror film of all time. And I, I found out about it because the head of production, a woman, um, Sarah, that I had known for years, called me up and said, Jack, you're not going to believe this. And said they, they called it the gayest horror film of all time. And we all thought it was funny, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, the movie made a lot of money, and Monday morning... Dino De Laurentiis calls me up, and I realized, you know, my life had changed. And six months later, I'm 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 in L.A. and and I, you know, uh, and basically it was a means to an end. Now I had a career, and and you know, everybody wanted to do a horror film with me. They didn't <laughs> yeah. want to do other kinds of films, but everybody wanted wanted to do a horror film. Yeah, with because me. now we had made two films, and all but both of them are genre movies, right? And and how, the second how did you one. Well, I I felt that I wanted to get out of out of the genre, um, and um, the hidden is a genre movie. However, um, when I read the script, I just thought it was a fantastic. It, it just it completely appealed to me. Um, it's it's not a horror film. It's really it's a science fiction uh, thriller action, yeah. action thriller. Um, and I always kind of saw it. I'm a huge admirer of Sidney Lumet, and and Sidney Lumet made the, like the best cop movies of anybody. His they're, they're they're just you know Dog Day Afternoon and Serpico and Prince of the City. You know okay. he 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 really those films were so authentic and so great. And the films like The French Connection and things like that. I love those kind of films. Okay. And so it felt to me like well this is basically like a Sidney Lumet cop film but with aliens. And so um, uh, it really appealed to me. And so, so that became my, my, my third film. So, you know, it was also a genre film. And the, the film tested extremely well. People loved the film. You know, it, it, it tested very, very high. Everybody thought it was going to make a lot of money because it tested so high. But when it opened up, it just, for some reason, it, they, it, couldn't get an it couldn't get an audience. It couldn't find the audience, and it never got to a critical mass where the word got out. Hey, this is really a terrific film. You really got to see it because you know it didn't have any any big stars in it. You know, uh, Michael Nouri was, eh, and Kyle was sort of not not that well known. And, yeah, and this, this, is this before Blue Velvet and everything? When uh, this was um, after Blue Velvet, but before Twin Peaks. Yeah, so he was. So he was known. I think he had done. I think he had done Dune at that point. Yeah. Uh, so he was known, but um, I mean, we we didn't cast that role until we were shooting on Monday. I think we we finalized the casting on Thursday before you know two days before we were starting, you know, and so he. You know, he came in to read for the part. So, you know, he obviously wasn't a, a big star or he wouldn't have come in to, you know, to read for the director of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 for New Line Cinema that was, you know, just a company that had made money from, you know, Elm Street. So uh, um, so it it never found its its market. It, it uh, you know, and still people say it's one of the best films of the 80s. Yeah. Everybody loves it. Yeah. But but it's not that well known, you know, and and it's 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 kind of a shame, um, you know, and also also you know, to to go back to Elm Street, you know, people are reevaluating that because you know Elm Elm Street Two was always sort of the one that nobody wanted to talk about or the one that everybody kind of put down, 
Um, and honestly, it didn't bother me because, you know, uh, it got me a career and, and I still get a very nice check every year uh, from my you know, profit participation. Yeah. So, so I don't care what, what people think, but, you know, you would like, like people to th think well. You know, and also it wasn't a real personal film for me, you know, the way Alone in the Dark was, or, or, or also The Hidden, you know, was something that I really personally connected to. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, but it's nice that Elm Street 2 is really being reevaluated. Yeah. And I did an interview, I don't know, maybe, maybe three years ago with a... I think they called the girls of Elm Street, or they they yeah they do a podcast and they're uh, they're they're very good. And one of the things that one of the the girls said um, on uh, Facebook was, you can't look at this. You know, if you want it to just be a sequel that follows everything that the original did, it's going to disappoint you. You have to look at it as its own film, because with Elm Street three, they kind of went back to the f what what they thought was the formula for one, except of course they. They made uh, the Freddy character kind of a stand-up comedian, you know. Um, but so you know, it's nice that the films are 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 getting reevaluated. And uh, I was at a a horror convention a few weeks ago, and more people seem to be interested in Alone in the Dark than you know. Every a lot of people came up to me and said, "I just love Alone in the Dark," or "I just saw it for the first time." Yeah. And and so you know, it's nice it's nice to get some appreciation for those films. Yeah. So, and then you you made a lot of more films. Yes. Then, but but then you have retired now, or uh, well, what happened was um, uh, about seventeen years ago, I guess. Uh, you know, things were starting to slow down for me. Uh, as a director, you want to have like you know four or five projects in the air, so that you know one of them will will get made um, and. Uh, it was getting to the point where I had one or two projects. So if they didn't get made, you know, I, I, I basically I had to make a movie a year in order to support my my family and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was getting um, harder, and uh, and I had an offer to start a film program at a university. So something I never thought I would do. Um, I never went to film school. I never, never studied film, so... Um, But I got the opportunity, and my wife said, "Well, you know, you should, you should do it." And I thought, "Well, it's it's an interesting challenge, and it's also, you know, they're willing to pay me reasonably well, and it was steady salary. You know, you get a paycheck yeah. every month, and it's uh, so so." I went and I did that. I did it for 14 years, and it was kind of interesting because I spent, uh, well, 14 years as an editor. And then I spent, I don't know, 20, 22 years as director, 23 years. And I basically f learned how to direct by just doing it. And, you know, also from what I had learned as an editor, it's, it's helpful as a director. But, but so in order to teach it, I had to sort of think about why I did the things that I did that kind of seemed instinctive. So um, that... That was quite interesting, and you know, and then I sort of picked up another skill, which was how to teach film. So, uh, in fact, right right now, I'm I'm in in uh, Florence for uh, three weeks, working with a, an international college program to beef up their their film stuff, and I'm also a guest artist at a, at, at a university. So it kind of gives me that to do. But in addition, I have uh, a couple of film projects. Um, none of them are. Uh, 
greenlit for uh, a production, but one of them, there's a group in Canada that's raising the money, and it's a vampire film. Very, very good script. You know, and good vampire films are always about a lot more than vampires. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in... It, in the same way that Alone in the Dark was a lot more than a home invasion movie, yeah. uh, this is a lot more than a vampire movie. But you know, uh, so I'm very excited about that. And and then I've got another film that that would shoot in in India. Um, that's about a a woman who actually won the Mother Teresa Award, which is completely different from anything I've ever yeah. done. But uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm um, I'm keeping busy. So I have not retired. I've not hung up my spurs yet. Um, I I I I feel like I still have at least one more movie left in me. So I'm kind of curious to see what will happen because now that I've been thinking about it so much, I'm 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 wondering if it'll make me a better director or a less good director because you know now that I sort of think I know what the rules are, before I didn't know what the rules were, so it made it better. But- this is kind of a cliche question maybe but for every movie you made then since you never came out of a film school did you always learn a lot of stuff yeah uh, yes yourself well or? well yes i'm um i'll um you know so so the first feature that i did i i i did have confidence that i understood how to make a movie you know because as an editor and i've been doing shorts and i work for directors and i always thought I really need to make my own film so I can have some good material to edit instead of what these other idiot directors are doing. So I always felt that I knew more than the directors I was working for. Um, but, you know, it, it it's... I mean, when we finished Alone in the Dark, I basically went to sleep and I got up three days later. I mean, I was just... I've never been so exhausted in in my life. Um, after, after my third... After... After The Hidden, which was a, a very difficult film to shoot, I had a real problem with one of the actors. and It, okay. it was extremely um, psychologically taxing. But I figured, okay, now I know how to do it. And then the next film, I thought, well, this is kind of going to be easy because I already know how to do it. And, and I realized that I had a lot to learn. Um, and then it was on a film called 1201. I don't know whether you've seen 1201. I haven't seen that yet, but I will. It's probably one of my best films. It's a really good film, the one with Helen Slater. um, And um, I I remember it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and we were shooting something or other, and I looked around the room and I said, I actually know what I'm doing. You know, that I felt like I could kind of see like 360 degrees, and... It was the first time that I really felt like I could kind of paint, that I could kind of see, oh, this needs a little blue over, this needs a little, you know, that I could really just see the whole thing. Uh, You know, whereas the first time I asked Donald Pleasance to do a scene, you know, I had no idea what I just had witnessed. But now I really just focused in and could really see it. And then um, I used to think directing a movie was one of the hardest things in the world, but really the last three or four films um it was a lot easier than living at home you know you can't fire your family you know if they give you shit you can't say okay you're fired uh so uh you know whereas you know on 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 the film set um i was in in control and also 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 one of the things that i learned was um to trust other people a lot more 
and and I knew what I needed to do, and I didn't worry about things I didn't need to do. You know, whereas when I started, it was like, is the camera going to show up, or the actor's going to show up, is every you know. But, uh, you know, toward the end, it's like, well, it's not my job to make sure the camera shows up. It's his job, and he's going to, and, and I know he's going to make sure the camera shows up, and the actors, are, and everybody's going to show up, and, you know, so uh, it, I, I got much more efficient. I mean, the first three or four or five movies I did, I rarely sat down, and the last three or four movies I did, I sat down a lot. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's like any trade, you become more efficient the more you do it. You know, you learn, you know, it seems like A is equal to B, but really you better watch A. B is not so important, but you better make sure, you know, and, and you know, those are the kind, if you are a carpenter or a bricklayer or, you know, a painter or whatever, you know, you just, you, you just become more efficient. So it, 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 it did get easier. I think that's a great finishing point, so. Yes. Big thank you. Oh. It was very nice to to have you here as oh, a well, guest. Thank you that. for thank you for um, interviewing me. I, yeah, I, I, I appreciate really it. Really great. I'm so glad that you came here. And please move to Sweden. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I understand it's very expensive to get a house here. It's uh, impossible yeah, yeah. to get. But you've been living in New York, so you know. The, I'm, uh, I'm living in North Carolina now. Now, yeah, yeah. I live up in the mountains. I have ten great. acres. Great, and a great big dog. As a matter of fact, my wife said, gee, you know, it would be so nice to have our dog and be able to walk very, very big uh, Pyrenees. Uh, it's called the Great Pyrenees. Uh, you know, it's a sheep, big... Oh, yeah. Big, okay. Big white sheep dog. Uh, but, yeah, um, I I really, I'm, uh, I'm really loving this city. It's, um, yeah, it's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, the food is really good. The, the, it's beautiful. You know, this is a very nice time of year to be here. Yeah. With the Well, thank you. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.